From Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. At the end of April, there will be one player from college football whose name goes in the lights first. Now, we all know the Bears hold that first overall pick, but the question is, on the heels of Adam Schefter reporting that they are now open for business and considering all options and possibly even leaning towards a trade, could they, should they, and who should they trade with? Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. This talk's only going to get louder and louder as the scouting combine is upon us in Indianapolis. So obviously, Harry, that's going to be a big part of what people are talking about because the combine's not just about everybody running around in their underwear. It's also about a bunch of uh, executives going out to the local steakhouse in Indy, having too much to eat, too much to drink, and then talking shop about possibly what could happen. So I figure let's grow the wolf back by one. Field Yates, co-host of the Fantasy Focus Football Podcast, joining us all right Phil. first and foremost i'm gonna make you the gm of any team not named chicago what's the right price to move up to get the number one pick if you already have a pick in prime position wow fit so first of all great to be on with you guys and i'm about to commit a sin that is not allowed on sports talk radio the land where you have to speak definitively and oftentimes louder than your counterparts but my answer is it depends And let me give you a couple of examples of why it depends, and don't you dare sound that buzzer when I am going through this answer. If you are the Indianapolis Colts and you are GM Chris Ballard, and over the past three off-seasons before this, you signed Phillip Rivers to a one-year deal, and then you traded for Carson Wentz, and then you traded for Matt Ryan, all of those lasted for one year. In the case of two out of those three, they failed spectacularly. If you're Chris Ballard, the price is whatever it takes, right? Because you can't afford to screw this up anymore because your patience or the owner's patience with you may be waning a little bit, despite how Jim Ursay has spoken about Chris Ballard publicly. Fans get tired. So that's example one. Example two might be, all right, hey, you're the Carolina Panthers at pick number eight or nine, I believe. You may be saying to yourself, all right, well, listen, we're willing to move up. You know, we're willing to trade number nine plus a couple of first-round picks in future years, which I know is a lot, right? But it's not like it's going to come for free. But if Chicago balks at our offer, we think there are going to be some guys in free agency that might consider us, whether it's Derek Carr or otherwise. And we think if not, then maybe, you know, we are – find uh, Sam Darnold back on a one-year deal. or the, the, the timeline is just different when you haven't had the pressure or you don't face the pressure that Chris Ballard currently faces with the Indianapolis Colts. So I know I committed a sin. I hope you guys will forgive me. The answer is it just depends. Uh, that's no, understandable. That's forgivable sin. Yeah, that, that's very understandable. Now I, w- I want to ask you about the Bears yeah. because what does this say about – the way they actually feel about Justin Fields shopping that number one overall pick? Well, I think, Harry, it probably underscores what a lot of people, myself included, have thought for a while, which is that the Bears are committed to Justin Fields. And 
Justin Fields showed a lot last year, obviously. He won as one of the breakout players in the NFL. He has emerged as a star for that franchise. And if you go look at the Bears' historical quarterback Rolodex, it's one of the weakest in the NFL. And I'm not I'm not hyperbolizing when I say that, right? This is not a franchise that has had a bunch of Pro Bowl players. They've had some. You know, Jim McMahon was a legend, and Jay Cutler had some good years, obviously, with Brandon Marshall and Alshon Jeffrey. But it has been starved. They have been starved for quarterback stability. And because of what Justin Fields did last year, Bears fans finally have some hope. So the other thing that I think needs to be mentioned is if you're, you know, and I know uh, people at our network, Mike Danabom has been saying, you know, trade Justin Fields and reset the clock. Think about this, and Harry, you can do so. It fits your smartness and how to do this too. Put yourself in the locker room there. The Bears, if the Bears go ahead and turn around and trade Justin Fields after what he did last year, what do you think every other player in the locker room is thinking at that time? I'll tell you what they're thinking. They're thinking if they can trade Justin Fields after what he did this past year, who is their loyalty towards in that locker room anymore? And when the coaches talk about how we're trying to do things a certain way and we're trying to build a certain type of identity for our franchise, and Justin Fields did everything you could possibly ask and then so much more during his first year, and then you trade him, guys would not be able to look coaches or the front office in the eye, at least in my estimation, and fully trust them. And while ultimately having great football players wins games, not just having great football, having football players that trust each other wins football games, I do think that culture matters in the NFL, and that's why I personally would be surprised if the Bears wound up trading Justin Fields and would have been from the jump of this offseason. We're talking to Field Yates on Fitz and Harry, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. So going back to the way organizations sort of approach the draft field, if you're looking at this year's draft class, you know you need a quarterback. So you're a team like the Colts, the Raiders, the the Panthers. You know you need a, a quarterback. You know where your position is. How much does next year's quarterback class play into the way you evaluate this year's quarterback class when you're sitting near the top of the draft? A little bit, but not like it did last year, because last year it was one of the weakest quarterback classes we have had in quite some time. So teams weren't going to be motivated to move up, understanding that, you know, it's not the year to do so. And we have what I think is a solid and and potentially strong quarterback class this year. But, you know, Fitz, unfortunately, so many of the NFL teams can't afford to be patient, right? I'll use your team as an example. You know, there was speculation or there was – chatter from Raiders fans in the middle of this past season. We should blow this up after one year, one and done, Josh McDaniels. Obviously, that would have been, you know, that that did not happen, and I personally think that would have been foolish. But don't you think there's pressure on this regime this year? Because they went big game hunting last offseason. It did not work out in a lot of ways. And if they come back next year and go 6-11, and I know for a fact fans aren't going to become patient more patient overnight. So um, that's fact. I don't think you can afford to be uh, particularly patient uh, in the NFL and just say, well, the draft class next year is superior. Um, and I also think, and I want to just bring this up, you guys didn't ask about it, but I think it's one of the most important dynamics for fans to understand and be mindful of during the quarterback, uh, during the draft process that pertains to quarterbacks, is that some have said, hey, well, if we're the Raiders at pick seven, and they think ahead of them, Arizona's not going to take a quarterback, Chicago's not going to take a quarterback, Detroit's not going to take a quarterback, 
the Seahawks aren't going to take a quarterback. Well, we can just take the leftover of C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, and Will Levis. It doesn't work like that, right? I compare quarterback evaluation to shopping for a home. And if you go to a neighborhood and five houses are all on the market for the same price, it doesn't mean that either of us or any of us are going to see those homes the exact same way. It may be that Harry likes house one and Fitz likes house two, and I like house three, even though they're all listed for the same amount. Uh, you know, one doesn't have a pool, uh, but has more, has a great porch. Number two has a pool, but no porch. You know, these kind of small factors here. So just because Will Levis might, on average, go seventh in the mock drafts, if the Carolina Panthers trade up to pick three and they love Will Levis, he's going to be gone. It's just the way it works with quarterbacks in the NFL draft. Go back and look at the 2018 NFL draft as a good example where Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold go one and three, and it's possible that if you were to do an average of where GMs thought they would go, maybe Darnold goes one and Baker Mayfield goes more like 12. But the Browns like Baker Mayfield best, and that was why he went first overall. So I think it's a big, important factor to consider when evaluating quarterbacks and where they, quote-unquote, might go in the draft. So, Phil, last one before we let you go. What's more important at the Combine this week, Anthony Richardson throwing or Bryce Young in his measuring? I think Bryce Young in his measuring, Harry, and I think the reality for Anthony Richardson is that if you're using a pick on him in the first round, you are betting on the upside and the ability to refine the upside. Uh, it's actually both you guys. Harry and Fitz, you guys both cover college football extensively for ESPN. If you watched Anthony Richardson this year and you watched every single game week in and week out, I don't think you're, I don't think you're saying to yourself, that's a first-round pick. I don't think you're saying that. But I think if you go back and watch specific games and specific clips, you know, the, whether it's scrambles, whether it's in-pocket throws, out-of-pocket throws, if you went back and saw his 15 best plays from this past year, you might say – that's the best quarterback prospect in the draft, right? But on a game-in and game-out basis, it was not consistent. I mean, the whole team was inconsistent this past year. And I get it, new coach, new system, et cetera. Um, so I think it's Bryce Young's measurements. And, you know, I, I ultimately the player's got to be a good player for it to, to him to go in the first round. But, you know, I spent some time with Bryce Young. I met him in, uh, at the Super Bowl. I met him and Will Levis back-to-back. And uh, Bryce Young – I mean, he's he's close to, like, my size, guys. And I'm not saying that, you know, it's not about being able to see over the defensive or offensive line. It's more the idea that I think if I got hit by Aaron Donald, I'd probably be sore for, like, a month and a half, right? It's just different when you have a guy who's six foot two and 210 pounds or six foot five and 240 pounds. The physical toll of the position, uh, your tolerance is simply different. So I think if Bryce Young can continue to bulk up throughout this pre-draft process, it only further fortifies the reason why there's a compelling case for him to be the first player off the board. Uh, tolerance was the important words you mentioned there because, Phil, I'm just telling you now, I told the bosses, like, when the Raiders go on the clock, I'm pulling out a bottle of clear liquid. I mean, we can presume it's water or not. I'm just going to get my way through it. That's all I'm doing, Phil. I'm just going to get my way through it. Phil Yates, co-host of the Fantasy Focus Football Podcast. Phil, always appreciate your time, my friend. Thanks for hanging out with us. All right, guys. Talk to you soon. Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career path with flexibility and great pay and benefits? I might be after the draft broadcast. Go to Progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. From one field that brings it every week to one field that was an outright disaster this weekend. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio.
Fitz and Harry, the podcast. stories in sports guys huge news over here to the bottom this is it rock bottom this is three up three down with Fitz and Harry you know the drill we're coming off a big weekend gonna give you three up three down so what does that mean well this week Harry got the up I got the down so Harry's gonna give you three things that he's high on from the weekend I'm going to give you three things, and I'm low from the weekend. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. Harry, you ready to do this thing? Let's go. Number one. Number one from the up position for me was the Los Angeles Lakers. I know, Fitz, I don't get to hear your mouth right now. Yes, the Los Angeles Lakers coming back from 27 down. And it was a team effort. And when I mean team effort, Jared Vanderbilt, 15 points, 17 rebounds, four steals. Anthony Davis, 30, 15, and three blocks. LeBron, 26. Dennis Schroeder doing his thing, filling in for D'Angelo Russell. Austin Reeves getting into it with Josh Green on the sideline by the scores table. So that's why the Los Angeles Lakers are my number one from the up position, Fitz. Okay, so I really like where you've gone with that. I'm going to stick in the NBA with a surprising first down Hear me out on this because it is not the player, it's the commentary about the player. My first down is the commentary surrounding one Damian Lillard. Not Damian's performance, not Dame Dollar, no. 71.6 boards, 6 assists last night. Everybody's talking about it. What I'm down on is this conversation that he's got to go somewhere else to win a championship and when's Dame going to leave Portland? Like Maybe his priorities aren't our priorities and maybe he's focused on just what he loves, which is playing basketball in that city with his family. Maybe he loves where he is. Maybe he loves this life. And maybe instead of all of us, every single time he has a good performance, hopping onto some Dame's got to get out of there perform like conversation, maybe we could just calm all that the hell down and stop talking about it and appreciate the fact that this man is playing basketball where he wants to play, how he wants to play, and he's crushing while he does it. Let's enjoy greatness instead of trying to put it into our little bubble around Dame. Golly. All right. I love it. Let's go to the next one, Dave. Number Devin. two. Devin's our Number name. two. We're going to go to Major League Baseball. Spring training games were down an average of 23 minutes. This weekend, compared to last year, at the MLB implemented the pitch clock. I love everything about this, Fitz. These pitchers, if no one's on base, they have 15 seconds to throw their pitch to the catcher. If someone's on base, they have 20 seconds to complete that pitch. I love everything about this because it's going to shorten games and make things a lot more viewable for the viewer. I'm concerned about it a little bit for our producer, Evan, who's the worst typer in the world. And now I'm concerned that Evan's going to be out there trying to like text all of us, you up, and that's going to take like 57 minutes for him and he's going to miss a pitch because it, it goes so fast. <laughs> 
Evan won't even be able to edit this. We're going to get so many misspellings in our text now because Evan's going to be in the middle of it, and then we're going to have to translate. I don't know. But I'm with you. I love everything else about this. Uh, all right. So you're giving the ups. I'm going to give the downs. And the down on this point comes to a quarterback like about to catch strays, not even playing right now. Mac Jones. I don't know if you saw this, but on Good Morning Football, uh, McCourty went off on how Mac is the future. And part of the reason he said, this is the quote from uh, Devin McCourty, what I love about Mac is that Mac came into a leadership role as a quarterback and he speaks to what he thinks. I don't care what a quarterback says. <laughs> the fact is, Mac Jones isn't good. Like, just watch him play. He's not good. Yeah, defend his personality all day. Fine. He's not good. And at some point, we keep looking just because he's got the Patriots jersey on and he's playing with Bill. We want to turn around and we want to make it this whole thing. Guess what? Great coaches get it wrong in the draft sometimes, too. Mac Jones is not a great quarterback. Stop trying to tell me he is. Just watch the film. Damn. All right. Wow. I know. I'm on a roll today. I am on a roll. Yes, oh, that are. one's going to come back to haunt me, too, if Mac ends up being great. You want to mm-hmm. go to the next up? Number three. Number three. I'm going to go a place that you already went, but I'm going to look at it from an upward standpoint. Ooh. Uh, not that you did it, but it's Dame time. As I'm hitting my watch currently right now, mm-hmm. it's Dame time. Preach. Because the young man had 71 points yesterday. Had 41 at halftime. But... I'm I'm curious to when when these NBA teams are going to start treating Dame like they treat Steph Curry. As soon as he crosses half court, you better guard him. They call him Logo Lillard for a reason. Mm. Mm. The man can shoot the ball from any and everywhere on the basketball court. And for the young kids out there, parents, if you have young kids, let them know that practice and repetition means a lot. They're not just making these shots just because they practice them. They, as in Steph Curry and Damian Lillard, but right now I'm going to focus on Damian Lillard. He practiced those shots year in and year out, day in and day out. Practice makes perfect. I love that message, by the way. I can't even find anything wrong with that. Well, my number three down, and this is tough. You know how much we love it on this show. I'm looking squarely at you, XFL. My number three down is on the field that Harry Douglas was standing in. I am from Las Vegas. Las Vegas means a lot to me. The Vegas Vipers and their success is something I care about. I was excited. Destination viewing to tune in to their home debut at Cashman Field. All right. Knowing exactly that I was going to see my guy Harry Douglas out there, but also what that moment means for the Vegas Vipers. To come out on a field that was dead grass, spray painted in a minor league baseball stadium. And I will remind everybody that does not know this. The XFL announced the Vegas team without knowing where they were going to play. In fact, all the way up to when they put season tickets on sale, the XFL didn't know what they were selling tickets for because they had not agreed on anywhere to play in Las Vegas. In a city where you have options like Britney to go see, you can go see every major artist play, and you got every major magician. You got all these people that are going to go out and take your money. They decided to play somewhere that's off the strip, that's a little more difficult to get to, that's focused on the locals. And what they give them, they gave them a bad product on a field that doesn't look good enough. This is a misstep. And if I'm going to be honest with everybody about the XFL, I've got to be honest. I want this league to succeed. But Harry, you cannot take that step in a city where they will forget you faster than they even knew you were alive if you put a bad product out on a bad field. Shame on the XFL for not having a better idea of how to be successful in Vegas. Well, since I had the up today, I'm going to focus on a little bit more upwards to your comment. Um, I did really appreciate the crowd that showed up to the Vegas, their their first home opener. 
Um, and I think if it wasn't for the rain and the wind blowing so hard, there would have been a lot more people that showed up. So Vegas does have the opportunity, you know, to, to do some great things with the XFL and their team because what, what I was showed in week one, well, week two, but the first home opener for Vegas is that those fans are going to show up. But the field was a little iffy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only people that actually slipped on the field were the kickers. And I think the players made the best of the circumstances. There are a lot of stars on that Vegas team. There are a lot of names to know on that Vegas team. That Vegas team needs to start winning football games if they want to actually resonate. But either way, win or lose football games, I I knew they weren't going to play at Allegiant. Early on, it was made clear they weren't going to be able to play at UNLV. I'm surprised they weren't able to play at a place like Bishop Gorman that uh, they couldn't get into. But realistically, that wasn't good enough for the XFL in my mind. We'll keep breaking it down, obviously. We're always going to be honest about the XFL here because you can see Harry on the sidelines every single weekend doing great work, great work yesterday, uh, Saturday on that. And then you can also check out XFL today every weekend. I'm hosting that on all of our digital platforms. Coming up. I'm going to do the unimaginable. I'm going to disagree with a baseball legend who nobody ever disagrees with. Thoughts and prayers for me. That's next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. The ACC Men's Basketball Tournament. The Big 12 Men's Semifinals and Championship. The madness is coming. Hear them both right here on ESPN Radio. You can also listen on the ESPN app and on your smart speaker. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. The day we broke Jeff Darlington. By Harry Douglas and Jason Fitz. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. The ESPN app. Sirius XM Channel 80. If you haven't been paying attention, Major League Baseball looks much, much different. And we haven't even gotten to the real action. It's looked different particularly because if you've never gone to a minor league baseball game, you haven't seen this of late. But they've been testing out different uh, iterations of of a pitch clock. That pitch clock is now out there. It is out there for the world. It is part of several rule changes that have come into effect all at once. And that is something that Tim Kirchin, ESP Major League Baseball analyst, talked about on game day when he talked about the fact that he thinks it's too much at one time. This might be a terrible analogy, but this would be like the NBA taking the three-point shot and putting it in making adjustments to the lane like no zone defense or whatever you want to do and changing the time on the shot clock from 24 seconds to say 18 seconds and doing it all in the same year. That would be an enormous adjustment. And that's what baseball is facing. Which, by the way, Harry, I'm all good with. Rip the Band-Aid off. Do it all at once. In my mind, especially because baseball fans hate change, make them, make them take all the change at once. Well, and I'm going to bring up the three changes, right? The bases are bigger this year. Also, you have a pitch clock for the pitchers, um, two different clocks, 15 seconds for one when the no one is on base, and then there's 20 seconds for another when runners are on base. The third change is the shift, in which I always hate it, when teams shift their players and positions based on the batter that is up batting at the time. Um, we also got to remember there was a world before shifts actually happened like this <laughs> in the baseball yep. world. So, no, that's not an adjustment. 
I don't think the bases being a little bigger is going to be that much of an adjustment. So the only adjustment really in my eyes for these baseball players would be the pitch count and more so pitchers and batters because batters have a certain time frame. They need to be in the box or whatever, ready to hit. So I think that's the biggest adjustment. Everything else is self-explanatory in my eyes. Uh, look, at some point, Harry, in my mind, first and foremost, eliminating the shift is like every sport. Every sport changes the rules. Like, look at how wide receivers are defended now in the NFL versus what, what happened 20 years ago, right? Uh, they yeah. constantly make the rules adjusted to be an advantage to the offense. So I, I, I see no issue with that. This really comes down to everybody becoming comfortable with whatever the, with the pitch clock. But it's not like this is a brand new, oh, my God, nobody's ever even talked about this before. Like I said, I've been going to Hartford Yard goats games for years they have a pitch clock at hartford yard goats game like this has been talked about this is something that they've been talking about for like if you wanted to be ready you could have been ready for it so whether you're a fan or whether you're a player you had the opportunity to sort of get ready let me ask evan evan our producer is a big baseball fan evan as the resident baseball nerd like because harry's a cool baseball fan like everything harry does he's cool (laughs) like harry walks in he's like i like baseball and everybody goes oh baseball too Evan Walker you don't have that swaggy like so Evan as the resident baseball nerd uh, how do you feel about the changes I love it I love anything that makes baseball better I like anything that makes baseball more popular I like anything that makes the product better so for me I love it I love that there is as Max Scherzer said somebody in control of the game I think from a um from a standpoint of of somebody having an advantage and from a competitive standpoint, I like the idea that the pitcher now can control the tempo of the game, that he's in control of it. Like every sport, if a team in football wants to run a no huddle, they can pick up the tempo and run whatever pace they want. In basketball, if a team wants to get out and run like Mike D'Antoni's teams always did, they could get out and run the floor and run high tempo. In hockey, same thing. If you have a team that has a lot of speed, you can do all that. Baseball is the only sport that you couldn't do that. And I like the idea that now a pitcher can get the ball, the batter gets in the box, and the pitcher can just throw. They have complete control of the pace of the game. I also think adding on to that, Evan, like there's a spot, Harry, in my mind that, you know, you think about the way rotations are now and how many pitchers are used in the game. Cool. Like if we're going to use 742 pitchers in the game, let's pick up the pace along the way. That's not an act. Don't, don't Google it. But uh, to, to Evan's point, I found myself over the weekend, like when I, uh, it's on in the studio right now. Like we've got uh, the Mets and the Cardinals on in the studio and just having it on in the background, it feels drastically better paced for me as, as somebody that's not not a huge baseball fanatic. I love the pace of this. Well, and I will say this, though, Fitz, because not everyone is like me and Evan who can sit down and watch three hours and 15 minutes of baseball and it feel like probably an hour to us. But also, you talk about, you know, being able to have that valuable time because the first thing I looked at this weekend, somebody uh, texted me and was like, hey, man, this game was – was it our group message where the game was like two hours and like 30-something minutes yep, yep. versus three hours and 10 minutes? That's a drastic difference. Do you know what people can do with those extra 35 to 40 minutes every single time they're watching baseball? And th- this is like, a, a lot of things you could do with your time. Uh, this isn't a new conversation even for sports in general. Like college football has been trying to figure out how to speed the game up. The NFL is constantly talking about how to speed the game up. Like to your point, Harry, just the idea of, all right, I can watch a baseball game in two and a half hours versus three hours and 15 minutes. That's a drastic difference in even planning out your day and feeling like, oh, I'm sitting down, I'm going to watch a little baseball. You get so much more bang for your buck, essentially, when you're going to sit down and watch some of this. Well, actually, what it helped me last year, 
um, within the playoffs when I drove from Kansas City to St. Louis to go watch the Cardinals and I'm trying to remember who it was the Cardinals and the Phillies play right and I had to leave the game before the ninth inning and the ninth inning was when Philly had all the 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 run scored and came back and won that matchup but I had to leave because I had to drive back to Kansas City to get back in time the game would have been over in time for me to see the whole thing in person and I would have witnessed the comeback if it wasn't for the long game uh, I, I have to ask a question before we get into the season because certainly I do not have necessarily a favorite baseball team. We went through a little of this on Spain and Fitz to try and figure out who my favorite team should be. In the last second, I took a, a, a drastic turn and decided I'm going to be all in on the A's only because I think the A's are going to move to Vegas and become the Las Vegas A's, in which case we all know I'm going to root for a Vegas team. But this year there is no Vegas team. Do I root with Harry for the Braves, or do I root against Harry specifically for a team like, I don't know, the Mets? Like, do I go all in on Ooh. another side of this just to create show rivalry? I don't, I no, don't you, know. You go, with, you go with the Mets. I you go, go with, with the Mets. Because okay. we're going to have some fun with this. Okay, you go so, with the Mets. I mean, is that the right way to go? Ev- Evan- the same Mets that blew the lead that they had early last year, early and late, they blew it and allowed the Braves to actually win the division. Is that and my... forced them to have to play wild card weekend, and they got and they lost. All right, Evan. If I'm going to pick a team this year, just for this season, I'm not committing to this long term. People, don't don't hold me to this. I'm picking a team just for this season, specifically to troll Harry throughout the course of the season. Mets is that the, that's the Mets, right way to go? Yeah, that Mets would be the right way to go. Also, like. If you bit were uh, root for the Mets this year, it is probably your best chance of any team you root for to win a championship. So, so I think that That's a also weird level of shade to throw at the Raiders for no good reason. <laughs> as I sit here in the Raiders city, I'm not He's mad at it. But, all right, uh, Devin, am I good on I the mean, Mets? Why are you shocked by that? They're picking seventh in the draft. Like, come on, God, I cannot wait for the Giants. Evan, to Evan fall who's back. your team? The- so. I, this is weird. I say this a weird way. I grew up a Yankee fan. I worked covering Major League Baseball for a long time, so I didn't root for a team. When I came to ESPN and stopped working in baseball every day, my wife was a Braves fan, so I became a Braves fan. Look, t- Wait, so you're a Braves fan now? Yes. So we got All two. this time I've worked with you, I've never known this. Yeah. Wait, wait, okay. Uh, uh, Devin, do you have a favorite baseball team? Of course. I'm a White Sox fan. Elo Jimenez. A White Sox Are fan? you not familiar? Oh, you probably weren't on the morning show. Oh, Fitz, it's a whole thing, buddy. It's a whole thing, buddy. Eloy sent me a message because I thought he was an outf- well, I thought he was a pitcher. He's actually an outfielder. I, th- I, we're going to hear this. I'm going to hear the entirety of this story, and then we're going to figure out how I can get some free Mets gear. Plus, we'll tell you why there's one team Harry says, don't bet on, save your money. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. and Harry, the podcast. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Look, we were just talking about the pitch clock. And uh, things have gotten, uh, they've gotten wildly out of control. Uh, so apparently, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, Harry is a noted 
uh, Atlanta guy, everything through and through. And you all know if you've listened to this show for two seconds that that Atlanta is important to Harry Douglas. So it, it is of no surprise to anybody that the Atlanta Braves are particularly significant. And on this show, we're going to talk a lot of baseball. Uh, I just found out that Evan is also an Atlanta Braves fan. And out of simple trolling and through good— Through marriage. Uh, through marriage, right? Married. Okay, so you became like, you know, she changed her last name, you changed your fandom. I get it, totally. Uh, and then, <laughs> But then I'm trying to figure out how Devin, the lifelong diehard Giants fan, fan is you know who who is not from chicago you're a white Sox fan and there's damn a, right a, go Sox. apparently this is what it sounded like when you became a white Sox fan let's go 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 white Sox. Devin, explain to us again why you decided to become a white Sox fan great farm system because of their farm system yeah. and, you, and you gave us the name of one player what was that Eloy jimenez what position he's a pitcher live arm live arm, live arm. <laughs> yes brett what what do you have for us Eloy jimenez is an outfielder you didn't even know what position he was chicago guy though that is <laughs> and, and, and so to this day you're still a, a, a white so- die hard okay. love Eloy love the socks love them uh, and can we talk you out of that or are you you're you're dug into that <laughs> I mean I'm always yeah I mean depending on what I what I get out of it I'm, I'm well, always willing to be talked here's to. the thing like I I'm I'm a little my, my world's being a little rocked now because like I'm looking at the Mets wet like, I, again uh, last year on Spain and Fitz we sort of went through the bachelor process to try and pick a team I couldn't pick one that uh, that I really like so I just picked the A's because they're going to move to Vegas and then I can be a Vegas fan like that's fine you guys know I, I just root for everything that comes out of Vegas but I'm a little shooketh now because I'm looking and I went to a Yankees game uh, you know a while back I didn't really love the experience in that stadium it didn't really rock my world I'm looking at the City Field website they got a speakeasy club they got an Empire Club they got all these like clubs going on they got uh and I, i've seen this in the past where they do like bark in the park i could take annabelle to a game i could get annabelle a mets jersey like and it's right down the street and it creates a rivalry with harry douglas and my buddy jp aaron Zibia is a he's a bench coach for the triple a mets club like i'm feeling all this happening I, I i think i'm gonna become a mets fan this year harry can we survive this yes we can definitely survive this okay. because when i last year um, there were a lot of people at Seaport, you know, the studio that we have up there that are Mets fans, right? And they understood that I'm a Braves fan, and I rub a lot of things in their face. And early on, they had the jokes because they were leading, and then, you know, the Braves took over a lot of things, and I got my laughs. And even on this just in, I was able to wear my Braves jersey, Ozzy Albies. Um, shout out to him. He's going to come back healthy this year and be a major force for the Braves. So I like that. I like that little rivalry that we're going to have here. Uh, uh, all right. We're going to have a rivalry, but like, look, this is just dating at this spot. I'm not re- willing to commit fully uh, in the dating spot. I think it's appropriate at this point. Like, can we hit the Mets up, Evan? Are we going to like maybe get a Mets player, maybe get some Mets swag sent to the show? Like maybe like I'm a large, like maybe I'm really at this point, I'm a medium because I've lost so much weight, but you know, a uh, large, like in the hoodie. Uh, I got to, I mean, if Harry's going to wear a Braves jersey, I should have something I can wear that's Mets-ish, right? Like this seems I might natural. wear it tomorrow too for the show. Oh, you're going to wear it tomorrow. You don't even give me time to try and show yeah. for some, okay? Uh, well, you could go buy Mets gear. I said we're dating, all right? Like in the beginning, <laughs> like and that's a committed thing in this world. I like think, I think you gotta go Pete Alonso if you're gonna get to Jersey, right? I think you gotta go Pete Alonso. And you tell me, is that is Pete that Pete Alonso or Max Scherzer? But I would go Matt, Alonso. Matt, I mean Max it uh, just like would, uh, well, it's a one year commitment for you and it might be a one year left for Max with the Mets. He is a free mm-hmm. agent after the season. Whereas, you know, Pete Alonso is a little younger, 
Race of the or just a, just a, a, a Verlander. Okay, so I just signed Verlander. Get a Verlander you're, jersey. You're talking to me into Pete Alonso because I also, you know, I I feel like that 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 works for me. Is there anybody else on ESPN Radio that is openly shilling nationally as a Mets fan? Do we have any other Mets? I mean, yes, hosts, very... not 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 no, hosts. Oh, okay. So I was going to say Bubba over on the Greeny is a big time Mets fan. Right, right, right. We don't count Bubba. All right, so Bubba, 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 he's out on this one. So I feel like this, you know, now I can definitively say I'm the biggest Mets fan on ESPN Radio nationally right now like that that works is this a thing Harry yeah the rivalry is here now and just just because you just announced that mm-hmm. um I'm, I gotta let you know be honest with you we're gonna kick your ass and when I say where that's the Atlanta Braves okay you know what included. what I know as a lifelong diehard Mets fan is we will not be outspent especially with new ownership we will not outwork especially with new ownership but you, we you will a- blow something you will blow something on more than one occasion, too. Excuse me. <laughs> I mean, you know what? You know what, Harry? There's so many things to say that'll get me fired, and I want to see if I actually get whether this. Whether it's a lead, I mean, whether it's a ball that goes between someone's legs at first base. Well, you, that, I mean, they won a, that way. Okay, so here, here's 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 what I'll say. Oh, okay, sorry, you're right. Uh, uh, Evan and sorry, Devin, Evan. because you guys live up here, should we take a, a show staff minus Harry because he's not up here all the time? Should we take a show staff trip to City Field? Absolutely. Are we in oh, for this? I think Harris should come up, and we should go to Braves Mets. You know what? Uh, if, the Braves, if the Braves, if the Braves, if the Braves are coming up here early in the season, because I don't want to wait too long to do this, uh, it, it, we'll go to City Field. I'll buy the tickets to the game if the Mets send me some swag. Like I think that's a fair trade. So right? I have I have the schedule right here. April twenty eighth through May first is when the Braves go to. That's the City NFL Field draft, Mets. Harry. You'll be up here for the yes. NFL draft. For April April twenty seventh, perf- uh, because that's Thursday. So that weekend, the weekend of the NFL draft, City Field, City Field. Yes. All yes. right, I'm gonna. I'll, I'll buy take. I'll buy four. Do, do we want to sit like uh, you guys educate together. me? We of course we want to sit together. Do we want to sit in like a really nice area of the, or do we want to just sit like out with the people? Like, do we want club seats? What do we want? Club seats. Well, reach out to Justin first. Oh, you know? reach out to okay. That's reach even better. Justin so, first. So Justin's probably tired of me putting him on the spot. Reach out too. to Jay Williams. He threw out the first pitch oh, at a Mets right. game last Jay Will. year. Is, is Jay Will a Mets fan? I think yeah, he, he knows the knows owner. Steve I, Cohen. Oh, your outfits. <laughs> now I'm out. I mean, so now, now, now. Jay Will's far more famous than I am. Son of a biscuit. How's this keep happening? I don't know. The entire Mets team going to join Kenny and Carlin coming up. You don't want to miss it. Thanks for hanging out with Fitz and Harry. Listening to the Fitz and Harry podcast. You can listen to the guys live weekdays from noon to three Eastern on ESPN Radio, and you can watch on the ESPN app.